If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It was. And then against Mozambique, we drew two all. We created two big chances. Again, Egypt outpossessed us. Remember that. 42% possession was what we got. Egypt had uh, 58%. Against Mozambique, we had only 39% of the ball. 39. Mozambique has 61% of the possession. And we have four shots on target with an XG of 1.79. So when Chris Hutton says at his post-match press conference that in terms of his own output and putting the team in a position where they could win games, he feels he has failed. That I agree with him completely. He has failed, and not just failed, he failed spectacularly. Because these three games at the AFCON, the opponents played better than us in all three matches. We didn't deserve to win a single one of those matches based on our performance. We didn't create enough chances, and we conceded six goals in three games. We couldn't... So we are sitting back, and we still couldn't contain the opposition from scoring. So what exactly was the coach's job? What did he do at his AFCON? So Chris Hilton, and I choose 100% right, that yes, he had issues, and the team had major issues even before he came in. But since he came in, the Blasters have taken a step back. And numbers don't lie. Chris Hutting is the worst performing Blackstars coach we've had in the last 10 years. And if you're limited to only the coaches that the GFA, this current GFA administration has hired, Chris Hutting is the worst of the four of them. And I'll take you through that comparative graphic. They came into power in 2019. And they started by firing, uh, of course, uh, uh, who had taken us to the AFCON uh, in June 2019 in Egypt. And then by October, the elections were held. Ket and his people came into power. And then they fired Kweseapia. And then they hired CK Akono. CK Akono supervised 10 matches. He won four of them, lost four of them, and then two of them ended in draws. So CK Akono had a win rate of 40%. He won 40% of the matches he played. We fired him after 10 games and brought on Milovan Rajivac. You remember that famous press conference? Eto mm. said he likes his Milo. Mm. He likes Milo. <laughs> no more Matra Marquette. He said no more Matra Marquette. A direct dig at T.K. Akono. In other words, claiming that Akono was an experimental coach. And now they've gone for an experienced hand that they believed would do the job. He lasted eight matches, 11 Rahibaj, in his second term. 
He lost three games. He won only three, and he drew three, uh, two of them. He had a win rate of 38%. He was fired after the AFCON in 2022. We owe CK Akono. We still owe Milovan Rahivac as well. So all these decisions are coming at a cost to you, the taxpayer, to you and I. We haven't finished paying CK's compensation. We have not finished paying Milovan Rahivac's compensation. We brought in Otoado first as an interim coach, and then we made him, gave him a one-year contract extension so he could take us to the World Cup. He supervised 12 matches. He lost four. He won five. And then we drew three. He had a win rate of 42%. 42%. So, CK Akono, 40% win rate. Bilovarayvash, 38%. Otoado, 42%. And Chris Huting, 31%. So, Huting has the lowest win rate of all the managers this administration has hired. And also take notice. Kojo, 10 games for CK, 8 games for Milo, 12 games for Otoado. 13 matches for Chris Hutin. Exactly an average. It works out to an average of 10 matches. So the lifespan for a Black Stars coach mm. is 10 games. Absolutely. Um, we, That's, we have to look at, we have to look at uh, the structure. You know, um, one of the biggest problems that we, we're having now as a, as a country in terms of the FA is because there's no formal blueprint of what manager comes in. We're getting a lot of all these managers come in and they play their own tactics. You know, there has to be a formal structure that the Black Stars and the national teams, yeah. the youth teams are developed through. So basically, we as a country, we know we generate a lot of midfielders. We know what, where do we lack? Do we want to generate right backs, left backs, defenders? Where is our side of weakness that we want to develop? All these managers come in, they decide to play any form of tactics they want to play. You cannot go to Brazil and decide to play a 4 5 1. You cannot go to the UK and decide to play any kind of system, except you stick to their 4 3 3 or 4 4 2. Why? Because the players are more adjustable to these type of systems. So if we talk about these managers per average 10 games, they last 10 games, and they, they win free and they lose free and they draw free and they draw two. Or, it's only because as a country we have failed in terms of the FA has no plan. What we keep doing is we keep hiring big names coming. I'm wondering who hired Utuado. Utuado has never been a coach. He was a, he was a scout. And yet and he, he had the best win rate. Because we went to the World Cup. And so you know the and World we Cup. we won only one game in the World there. Cup. One game there, exactly. And he, yeah, we won the big game against Nigeria. In, in well, those Nabuja. were two draws, but yeah, sure. We exactly. qualified. <laughs> well, fair enough. But that's what I'm saying. All these things that we keep talking about is what is letting Ghana down. We keep scratching the surface. Again, thank you. We need to go back to the basics. Before we hire the next manager, the FA, whoever remains as the FA president, should have a blueprint. What is the way we want to play as a country? Because we, we, we need to remodel our players based on a system that's suitable for our players. 
What we're doing now, you see the system Chris Hughton was playing. His favorite system has always been 4-2-3-1. It's not just Ghana. He's been playing this in the Premiership. Who plays 4-2-3-1 now? I bet you none of teams play 4-2-3-1. Josie has abandoned it. Do you know what I'm saying? The so biggest... if you, there you go. So if you have him Jose there... went from 4-3-3 to 4-2-3-1. He's just... Everybody's evolving. Nobody's doing it now. And, and he keeps doing the same thing. So when Ashmir goes off, he goes back to his mental state in terms of how he still wants to approach it game very pragmatically and he puts in two people when he doesn't even need he, and I ask myself how then do we play Semenyo as a striker for Ghana it's very abysmal look Semenyo has never been a goal poacher we need a goal poacher you watch the structures you watch the system I know there's a big huge problem with the FA but as a coach I think he lacks oh, he had a lot issues. of a lot of um, misunderstanding about the team the quality of the players and his approach to games and in-game management. All of it cuts through. So he deserved to go. So he deserved to go. But going forward, we have to go back, like we, we keep saying, that everything needs a blueprint. If Ghana wants to play a 4-4-2, of course, if a manager comes, he can do a variation of a 4-4-2 into a 4-1-4-1. But it should be in a system that's quite suitable so that we, we, we ingrain these principles in the youth teams so that it becomes more easier in transferring players through the process and bringing them up because at the moment it's a big disparity and it's very shambolic and I wonder if Katakuriku should be still the president today. <laughs> He's still the president. Actually let's look ahead now. Uh, I think the, we all agree that um, the coach had to go. He's gone. I'm very surprised he didn't quit by himself. I'm not sure what he was waiting for. Uh, whether compensation or he was waiting for some miracle or I don't know, man. Uh, the GFA statement said that in the coming days, they'll put together a roadmap on the future of the Black Stars. From where you sit, what should be in that roadmap? What should we be doing before we appoint that next coach? I, I don't trust the people who are going to put together the roadmap. If, <laughs> <laughs> so what? We should just I don't, throw our arms in the air I don't and trust give them. up? They have failed in five years. They are not going to suddenly crack the code now. I don't trust them. Certainly, there are question marks around their judgment, giving the mm. kind of coaches they've hired and the results. You can't tell me that. The results get worse. They, they hire the aim for the coaching. Yeah. With each appointment, a trigger-happy... <laughs> Look, our, own, our best bet at salvation of any kind will be government intervention. And, and more importantly, government involvement. And I'm, it is government's job to develop sports in this country. True. It is government's job to provide the infrastructure and the framework for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And I would go as far as saying that given the size of the country and our limited resources, I think it will be government's job, and even the, the size of the football ecosystem, it is government's job to educate the resource persons who will develop talents and even run the sports in this country, or at least facilitate the education of those. And the issue at hand lies squarely within the remits of government. So long as you take a CD from the consolidated fund to go and train the black meteors, yeah. the black maidens, 
It is your job to ensure that the people who are going to train those players will impact the best knowledge possible. That the circumstances or the conditions under which they are training are world class. Okay. Will not, in the end, create an imbalance so that no matter how much money you pump in there, it will not make any difference. What has to happen, and indulge me on this for a bit, is for the government to realize that beyond um, littering the country with these youth and resource centers and the facilities that they are renovating, they need a plan, yeah. right? The bulk of these facilities that have been built are not even accessible. So if a kid wanted to play football, which playground will they have to go to to go and play there? So we need to find a way to connect the infrastructure that we are putting there to talent development, to talent development yeah. and education. In this moment, if you wanted to look at where the various districts, the clubs at the various districts want to train, say maybe a quality facility where they can access maybe for a fee and have some world-class tutors there imparting knowledge to them, you won't have any in this country. Look, what Right to Dream are doing, um, is it Mr. Susoko, the former Liverpool player who is now an instructor there? Yeah. Michaelisian is at uh, Norgeland. Yeah. That yeah. is the way to go. Mm -hmm. The, excuse my language. <laughs> okay. The, the, the concepts, the, yeah, I'm being careful. The concepts that someone who studied sports science or physical education and has a degree in that can teach how to pass the ball is, is far outdated. The principles of the game have evolved. Look, and, and I was listening to and for the uninitiated, you will still be fixated with taxes and all of those things. But coach knows that the game has moved past those principles. Sorry. These days, the complexities lie with positioning, spatial awareness, creating space. Space is the most important thing in the game. Of course. How they can stretch teams, create space. If the teams that are able to you, control... How do you take a shot? How do you make an assess if you don't have enough space? And teams are able to manipulate spaces, not necessarily because they have the best tactics, but they are able to coach games, manage games, and they have trained players to be able to think and react to real-time in-game scenarios. Yeah. That is something we don't have in Ghana. Look, within the next couple of weeks... don't have the education. Within the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear names like Prosper Natiogu. These are not world-class coaches. We need world-class coaches to coach the Black Stars. And, Akuno, and all of this. You mentioned a key thing. We also even need world-class coaches at youth level. So that was why I mentioned the right to dream example. Yeah. So the people, so that the next time, some of your best talents you have produced in a decade will not be told that they are not good enough because they don't have the basics. And that is the situation of Abdul Fatah Isaku and Daniel Efriyabania. Fatah Isaku has been lucky. He had a year. Someone took a chance on him, and now things are working out for him. And we're beginning to see him play in a way that is leave, has left all of us saying, maybe we misprofile this guy. But this kid went through the Ghanaian education system, primary, JSS, started playing, I don't know if he played close football, but lower tier football. Mm -hmm. In all of our minds, Fatah Isaku is at number 10. But we're seeing him play at wing back. To devastating effects or he's seen him play on the right side as an inside forward as a right winger if various coaches at steadfast dreams fc 
our under 15, under 17, under 20. Mm -hmm. From private to national team coaches, nobody was able to identify the problem with this kid, that we have a problem. And so the government needs to realize that beyond the infrastructure that they are to, trying to roll out, find a way of connecting that to talent education. Have a plan for talent education. Have a plan for training instructors at the basic level so that in each district, you know that we have this number of people teaching football, right? So that after two or three years, we know from this pool, we are choosing these guys to form a, a regional team. And then the best of those can form a national team. This whole, and there's no other way to put it, this whole concept that 200 players, four batches of 50, have to go to Pram Pram to go and train for and do a justify. week. Justify for a week. And then the coach, it is rubbish. That concept is gone. It's gone. Actually, you know, just, just let me finish. Yeah. So we need to find a more scientific approach to this. Look, we've been playing games about the sports, sports bill and the funding components. If you have a plan, if you have a policy that is holistic, that is clear and unambiguous, you know at each stage what your objectives are, what it will cost for you to realize those objectives, right? Mm -hmm. Within what time frame? And based on that, you are able to speak properly to the conversation of the sports fund and then say, this is how much we need annually. Not just money to pay compensations and salaries and co, but based on the projects that we're embarking on, this is how much we, we will need. And so we need to raise this much. And these are the avenues of revenue generation. We cannot continue running football in this country the way Throwing we... Throwing money at no, the blaster. It's, it's a complete waste. Look, around. we just yes. published the stories of how much it cost Ghana it did. for the exactly. qualifiers. Exactly. We spent $1.5 million in qualifying to this particular AFCON <laughs> tournament. We haven't added how much we spent at the actual AFCON tournament. Meanwhile, judging from what we spent at the last AFCON in Cameroon, which was $2.5 million, if, let's say, Citeris Paribus, we spent the same amount of money at this particular AFCON, then it means that we spent $4 million just for going to, uh, just to go to Cote d'Ivoire and embarrass and disgrace ourselves. But that's not uh, even possible because this time we sent more funds there you go, and then just gave everybody $400 yeah. <laughs> as well. Meanwhile, at the AFCON, even if you go to the quarterfinal stage, you get $1.3 million. We spent $4 million uh, going and getting embarrassed and then exiting at the group stages. And this is what we do all the time. We don't invest in the preparation. We don't invest in, the, uh, in, in, in anything at all, and we don't add value to the people. But when the tournament comes around, we go and spend too much money and make lofty, hefty promises. Africa Games is coming, okay? We sent athletes to camp in Cape Coast only last weekend, 40 days to the Africa Games, all right? The, the Ghana Olympic Committee says they need $50,000 just to prepare athletes for the Africa Games, which we are hosting, okay? The Minister of Youth and Sports says they don't have $50,000, but they were ready to pay over $30,000 to each player if they made it out of the group stages at, at, at the AFCON. What is wrong with us? And $60,000 to each member of the coaching staff. Yes, each coaching staff member would have taken $60,000. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? Meanwhile, the Africa Games, which we are hosting, we have gone to set a lofty target for our athletes that we want to finish in the top five of, uh, on the medal table. 
You know what it takes to finish in the top five in the medal table at the Africa Games? You need to win at least 100 medals. In fact, Egypt, who topped the medal table the last time out, got 259 medals. You want to put a bet on, a guess on how many medals we got at the Africa Games the last time around? 13. Which means, in order for us to get uh, 100 medals and possibly finish in that top five, we need to make a swing of 87 more medals. We, we have no plan in place for that swing to win 87 more medals and yet uh, wait for the games to come around then we'll go and promise the people that we'll pay everybody $10,000 if you win a gold medal. You have not invested in the preparation and you're going to, to promise that you would give people a certain amount of money if they win gold medal. You wait for it. It will happen. They will go and promise that they will give them $10,000 if you win a gold medal. Knowing full well that they will not win the gold medal because they know they didn't invest in people's preparations. What is wrong with that? That is wickedness. Speaking of wickedness, Mauritania are very wicked. <laughs> Yesterday, they kicked out uh, <laughs> tournament favorites, or one of the tournament favorites, 2019 champions, Algeria. Mm. They won by one goal to nil. Senegal obviously Why? topped Thanks. the group with their 2 nil win. Why do we still refer to Algeria as pre-tournament favorites for this one? Especially... After well, the assumption them. was they learned their lesson from the last time. After how they qualified for this tournament? Yeah, uh, well, uh, they finished on the same point as uh, there was another team in their group that gave them a really Controversially, tough Controversially, the final game, I think, in September against uh, Uganda. Yes. A very dodgy goal awarded them. Mm -hmm. And that was why Micho Sridovic, the Ugandan coach, spoke in very strong terms yesterday after Algeria's um, elimination was confirmed. But... Amir Abdul, the Mauritanian coach. Ghanaian fans would remember him. Against Comoros in Cameroon, mm. he led them to be the Black Stars by three goals to two. And last night, again, the Mauritania's very first win at the AFCON over Algeria. It's a giant slayer, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Angola also beat Burkina Faso 2-0, but both teams have progressed to the knockout rounds. Yeah. Uh, the Gambia lost to Cameroon. It was a dramatic game. We'll show you the highlights of that game very shortly. Uh, by three goals to two, Cameroon needed to score very, very late. But Senegal, the only team to qualify to the knockout rounds with a 100% record, they won all three matches, nine points out of nine, yeah. three wins out of three. Yeah. And they look set, they look like they could possibly become the first country to defend their titles since Egypt's uh, three peaks, yeah. uh, 206, 208, and 2010. Yeah. Karima has been looking at how that could possibly happen and uh where is karim please come come over here <laughs> and just show us quickly <laughs> he has uh, to make a, what he's been he has to at. make a 90 <laughs> degree act <laughs> oh you my brother you know okay. uh, senegal what's going on what have we got for us because they look very impressive indeed at this half court yes they are deadly <laughs> i was <laughs> i was in here yesterday because of the black stars yeah no wahala no mm. no wahala Okay, let's get on with it then. We are creeping and Senegal are looking like a well-oiled machine, mm. attempting to do something no defending champion has done since 2010. That is Egypt winning the title three times. So I'm looking at them qualifying to the knockout stages as the only team winning all their three games, becoming the second team with the highest number of goals, three, and becoming just one of four teams to, be, uh, to concede just one goal. And looking at their run, Opta has predicted that they are the favorites ahead of this tournament. 
what I'm going to look at is the last six winners and how they perform in the next tournament after winning the title. So let's start with Egypt and Iran in 2012. After winning the three titles, they didn't qualify for the 2012 tournament and the 2013 on yeah. back to back. So what happened and they didn't qualify? They finished bottom of the qualifying group. <laughs> a, a, a group that has Niger, uh, Burkina Faso, and Sierra Leone. But still they finished bottom. What happened? In 20, around that 2010, 2013, their league was And we know that they heavily depend on their league for their oh, national yes. team because of some uh, stadium disaster that saw about 74 people die. Yeah. Then in 2013, Zambia shocked everyone and won it in 2012. And in the qualified again in 2013 but exited at the group stage if it was now in that 2013 they could have possibly been progressing as one of the third best place teams because they drew all their group matches and were third with three points mm. they were in that group with nigeria who also won the 2013 tournament but and curiously 2015 yes and we're supposed to come to 2015 <laughs> as defending champions yes but curiously they didn't they didn't qualify what happened in the final game of qualifying, they had the opportunity of qualifying as one of third base uh, place teams because there were seven groups mm. with two um, teams qualifying as a yes, and the third best finisher qualifying. They needed a win to qualify ahead of DRC, but they said no. We are Nigeria. We never did carry last, but that one they carried <laughs> last. <this one. laughs> so they, they, they didn't come back. Yes, in they, they drew the final game two two to South Africa and they didn't qualify. Then 2017. And uh, tournament in 2015, 2015 uh, uh, I recall big Ghana, Ghana to win. on penalties to win. champions and didn't go out of the group stages. And wow, only, there's only one team in this run from the last six winners. There's only one team that has gotten to the round of 16, and that is Cameroon. The rest two didn't qualify. Three exited at the group stage. Senegal they got um, knocked out in the round of 16 by Nigeria in that 2017. They were in the same group with Ghana. And then Algeria, the, the team that they a lot of people in, in 2019, a lot of people had expectations for them. But in six Afghan, since winning the title in 2019, they've not won a game. In six games, they've accumulated three points, considered eight goals and scored just four. That is how worse it is. And Senegal, as we've talk, spoken about them, they are on course. Looking at how they are playing and the quality of players, the decisions their coach is making, looks like it's going to be possible for them to surpass that uh, quarterfinal barrier that the defending champions have been having since 2010. All right, interesting. Thank you very much, Karim. So we'll see whether Senegal will be able to defend their title. But this is confirmation of the teams that are going to qualify uh, for the uh, round of 16. These are the, this is the ranking of the third place team. So Guinea will make it through. They got four points. Mauritania uh, have qualified as well. Cote d'Ivoire have qualified. I can confirm that. Uh, Namibia as well have uh, an opportunity. Uh, Karim, thank you very much. It, uh, they said you can go. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. And you know, so that's that. Uh, I'll show you the fixtures for you. So you see why Ghana is out. You got only two points. You have no chance of coming here. Mm -hmm. So Ghana is out completely. All right. Now, uh, with these teams in 3-3-3, three, 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 um, Mauritania for sure have qualified. They have a goal difference of plus one. Yeah. Is it plus one? No, minus one. Minus one. 
minus one. Cote d'Ivoire have a goal difference of minus three. And Namibia have a goal difference of minus three as well. Now, Zambia is the only other team with a chance to qualify. So knock around. Let me show you the fixtures. Now, Zambia play against Morocco. Now, if Zambia uh, were to get a win, uh, where are they? Yeah. If Zambia were to beat Morocco, uh, it will take them to four points, I believe. They have one win, uh, one defeat. So it would... No, they actually have two points, didn't they? They have two points, so they have two draws. So if they were to beat Morocco, then they would qualify. In fact, that would mean that Zambia go up to five points above Morocco. Yeah. But Morocco already have four points. So that means that... Okay, uh, I'm sorry. But so that means that they will go... In fact, so that means now uh, Namibia will get kicked out. Yeah. And then what would happen is that Morocco would now finish here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the Mauritania below them, then Cote d'Ivoire, and then Namibia will be eliminated. Yeah, take the last because Zambia would qualify automatically. Yeah. So they would, not, they would no longer need this. Yeah. So these are the games coming up. South Africa have three points themselves. Uh, Tunisia have no win. Yeah. So... If Tunisia need to qualify, they need to beat South Africa. And then they get the automatic slots. No, oh, they're on the points. Yeah. Because they lost to Namibia. Yeah. They did, so they have a point. Thank yes. you. The only way they qualify is to beat South Africa. They if they beat South Africa, who have three points, they're out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, is, that is some game, huh? Yeah. Very tight. Quick prediction. <sighs> That's a tough one, you know, because South Africa themselves are not playing too well. Uh, Tunisia are very not convincing as well. <sighs> Prediction, Kojo. Oh, I, I think it, it could... I say Tunisia win. I don't think South Africa have the temperament, no. Uh, I don't they, they've bottled it on too many occasions. Mm, mm, Tunisia mm. win. Uh, uh, Namibia, Mali. Mali already uh, shoot. Namibia have three points right now. Yeah. And look, a draw could be enough for them. Mm. Do you think you'll get something from this game? I, I believe so. I don't think so. Um, the, okay. way, the way Mali plays takes away a lot of liberties from opponents. All right, Achu. DR Congo, quick, we have only 30 seconds. DR Congo, Tanzania. DR Congo. DR Congo win. And you get Morocco, Zambia. Definitely Morocco. Morocco win? Morocco win. Okay, so Zambia uh, getting kicked out, according to Kojo. <laughs> anyway, so that's our show for today on Afcon today. My name is Fento Tahir Fento. The show is proudly sponsored by MTN. MTN everywhere you go. We're live on Joy 99.7 FM on the Joy News channel as well as on Joy Prime TV channel. Of course, Achu and Kojo were my guests. Show produced by Sheikh Mubarak Haruna. Until next time, though, thanks for watching. It's time for the Joy Business Report. Coming up, economist Professor Ebu Texan calls for timely implementation of International Monetary Fund program to enable next administrative government follow suit. Also in this bulletin, President Ekufuad appoints John Mbro as new chief executive of National Pensions Regulatory Authority. Plus, on the Joy Business Van, we'll bring you the second part of our story on two innovators who have come up with a solution to boost harvest of cocoa beans in Ghana. These and more shortly.
Grateful for your company. The Joy Business Report is brought to you by EcoBank, a better way, a better Africa, and Imperial General Assurance, solid protection. I am Pius Kujubaka. Straight to our very first story. Economist Professor Ebu Texin has indicated the next government that would assume power in January 2025 would have to do a lot to get the economy going if the International Monetary Fund program is not effectively implemented. He pointed out that it is important to carefully implement plans in all stages to help meet the timelines. Professor Texin was reacting to the release of the second tranche funding of $600 million to the country. There is nothing wrong if money is put into the economy to expand the productive base of the economy. That is investment. That is what we need to generate jobs. That is what is needed for the Ghanaian economic growth. And if we do that, I'm very certain that whoever takes power in 2025, we have an economy that has recovered to a greater extent. That has all the ingredients for it in 2025 going forward. Economist Professor Ebu Texin there. Now the Chamber of um, Young Entrepreneurs is calling on government to dedicate a portion of the International Monetary Funds and its related cash inflows to the growth of the small and medium economy. Sharif Ghali is the Chief Executive of the Chamber. This financial injection can be a game changer. The key here is accessibility. If a portion of these funds is allocated towards entrepreneurship support programs, young business owners can assess much needed capital and mentorship and training. This support, I believe, can help in bridging the gap between innovative ideas and their implementation, which is often hindered by lack of resources. Entrepreneurs can harness these opportunities to scale up their businesses and contribute to Ghana's economic development. Sharif Ghali is the CEO of the Ghana Chamber of Young Entrepreneurs. Now, the Ghana Revenue Authority will be focusing on customer care initiatives to get more people pay taxes this year. This, according to the Commissioner General, Dr. Misha Dai is a move aimed at getting closer to taxpayers in a friendlier manner. Speaking to Joy Business at the Maiden Customer Experience Conference organized by the GRA, Reverend Dr. Misha Dai said the initiative will improve revenue collection. I want to emphasize that from this year going, we are focusing on customer experience so that we want the taxpayer to feel like he is a customer and must be treated as a customer as you will find in any other service industry. Moving on, the CEO of the Ghana Investment Promotion Center, Yufi Grant, says digitalized informal sector will enhance revenue and collection. According to him, the new global tax law will create the needed tax equity for both foreign and domestic businesses. Mr. Grant was speaking at the Mutual Prosperity Partnership Roundtable discussions held in Accra. And finally, before we wrap up, President Ikufadu has appointed a director at National Pensions Regulatory Authority, John Mbro, as its new chief executive. Mr. Mbro's appointment takes effect from on 1st February 2024, he replaces Hayford Atakrofi, who proceeds on retirement after holding the position since 2017. Until his appointment, Mr. Mbro was the Director of Standards and Compliance at the National Pensions Regulatory Authority, a position it has occupied over the past six years. And that's it for the Joy Business Report. Please stay tuned in for the Joy Business Run right after this break. begun connecting us with one purpose 
to create and share opportunities to grow. Across our continent, across the world, we are creating a better way to a better future. A pan-African future, together. Ecobank, a better way, a better Africa. Hello again, welcome back to the Joy Business Van brought to you by EcoBank and Better Way and Better Africa. Cocoa is a major income earner for Ghana, but the sector lacks the investment in technology to boost production. Breaking cocoa ports um, to harvest beans takes days when it fact it can take minutes after a breaker machine well two young people have created one or to solve this problem here's the second part of our feature on mcfix engineering on the joy business van two innovators have come up with an equipment to boost harvest of cocoa beans daniel chumesi and elizabeth amwa both hail from cocoa farming communities and i've seen firsthand the struggles farmers go through to break force manually we were coming from those backgrounds, so we could understand whatever challenges they were going through at then. But for you to um, solve their problem for them, um, you need to go through as a whole lot of um, ideation process, a whole lot of design thinking process, a whole lot of um, um, sleepless nights and other stuffs in order to achieve whatever you want to achieve. So after the ideation process and after the engineering drawings, it's leverage the actual building of the product. It took two years to create a prototype for the cocoa breaker machine. And the actual building of the product, sometimes with the drawings and the product itself, it doesn't correspond. You may have something on paper, but bringing it on grounds doesn't work. So you need to also go back to the drawing board, fix everything you're supposed to fix, and come back to the welding shop to get the real product you need. I remember one time they came with came to me and told me that what they see on the internet is just a, 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 a port breaker that can split one at a time. But theirs have been able to they've been able to design one which is able to cut two at a time. The reason why now they're able to do about 1,500 within half an hour and a half. Um, another thing we did was to help them go through a lot of blueprints because with um, designing you should be able to now have a lot of drawings understand what the drawing says because it, you have different components coming together to form this particular product after building a prototype they took the equipment to the cocoa farmers to test when we got there they showed much interest so we went to their farm with the machine but the holes were a little bigger so when we tested it, we then find some mistakes, as you mentioned. You have to work on the difference between the one on paper and the one. And even after building it, so because you have to be working with the user, the user still will give you a feedback. So when we went there with their feedback, we were able to work on. Now we've changed the spinning drum and everything. The cocoa breaker machine was able to break 1,500 ports within an hour and 30 minutes. The farmers could attend to other work during the period. All right. 
having taken feedback, Daniel and Elizabeth returned to making the necessary changes. Our, our, our major challenge right now is, right now we have the first version of our product. Um, for us to scale, we need finance. Yes, finance is number one because um, with this thing we have right now, we have the version two of it, which all the engineering drawings are ready for production. But due to a little bit of financial constraints, um, we are not able to build that one. Daniel and Elizabeth are also looking for strategic partners Meantime, the Design and Technology Institute is also offering support. We've been working on getting the buy-in of the regulatory bodies, um, aka Cocoa Board, and then and the Ghana Standards Authority, and then a few other ministries like um, the Ministry of Food and Agriculture. We've been working on getting their certification for the machine. We've recently opened, uh, been there to. Uh, invite them to come in for a viewing and testing officially so that is being done to get the machine certified so that it can go into the agricultural system and then we can have further iterations and then developments as to and then get the machine out there in the in the farms with the buy-in of regulatory bodies and farmers the two hope to deploy the machine to farming communities but that's not all our major aim is to be able to scale and become a bigger brand, um, a local brand that can produce um, food and agro-processing machineries to help ourselves and the economy at large. the full story on the joy news channel at 5 p.m on business live live on the joy news channel the joy business one will brought to you by ecobank a better way a better africa mtn business what are we doing today and let me tell you about the ecobank salary account well it's a special account designed for workers of all income brackets desirous of receiving their salaries through ecobank with the ecobank salary account you are guaranteed all the benefits of a normal savings or current account plus many more Ecobank salary account gives workers free life insurance cover of up to 10,000 cities, 24-7 access to cash and e-banking services, internet and mobile banking services, high interest on savings, no minimum balance. Ability to save through the Ecobank Save as a Spend, a unique feature that helps customers to save and invest. Remember the insurance policy covers death, permanent or temporary disability, critical illness, hospitalization, retrenchment and more. Savings or current account holders at Ecobank do not have to close their accounts to enjoy the numerous benefits of the Ecobank salary account. Just ask your brand to switch your existing account to the Ecobank salary account. Non-Ecobank account holders should approach any Ecobank branch and ask for the Ecobank salary account. Switch your salary account today and enjoy amazing benefits at Ecobank. Call Ecobank to free on 0800-003-225 whenever wherever for further details. Ecobank, a better way, a better Africa. Thanks so much for your company. I am Pius Kojobaka.
info. Electroland Ghana Limited has done it again. It's the up to 70% discount bazaar. And a simple crowd. From the 27th to the 29th of January, rush to Electroland's Vintage Branch for amazing deals on your favorite Samsung, NASCO, Media, TCL, and Homeland of up to 70% off. You heard it here, up to 70%. It may be brand new, slightly used, have minor dents and scratches, or repaired. We have first come first level. For further inquiries, call 0503-153-739. Terms and conditions apply. Day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.